Hello and welcome to the Pompey Politics Podcast. Blue and yellow till we die. I'm Ian Tiny Morris. And I'm Simon Sandsbury. Three weeks have passed since we last took to the airwaves and and it's fair to say it's been a long time in politics and kind of everything's different but somehow. What's the line from, um, I'm sure it doesn't originate from the Matrix but um, some things change, some things remain the same. Yeah, it could be. There's, there's got to be a song in there somewhere. It'll come to me in a moment of musical, musical wisdom. So, yes. So what? The, yeah, it's been quite a boring couple of weeks, really. Is that's why we didn't do a podcast? No. Well, to be fair, we've both been away. <laughs> yes. You've, you've been off frolicking and enjoying the love of the uh, of the liberal um, the Liberal Party conference in Bournemouth. I did. I went to sunny Bournemouth. You did, and I went to a surprisingly sunny Wolverhampton. To play in the blind cricket T20 finals, ready for the Sussex Sharks. There's another winner's medal on my desk, which my wife, your sister, was said, "Oh, it's lovely. Go and stick it with the other twenty that are there." So it wasn't quite the rousing hero's welcome I had hoped for, but sometimes you just got to roll with that. What were you expecting? Like an archway of people with, yeah, you know, would have been nice, but throwing petals on the yeah, floor and yeah, 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 you yeah. know. Yeah, it didn't happen. So, you went to the Lib Dem conference, and I guess the really big story coming out of that one is the whole change from people's vote to revoke. Um, I ummed and ahed about this one. I thought long and hard about it. I discussed it with some friends. I wasn't sure which way to come down. And I, it was an interesting one when I saw it. I did think you must have had a, a fairly decent dilemma because it would be fair to say that you have... You've rocked up some some train miles, and you've worn some shoe leather down in in support of the people's vote, Brexit to the sequel, and so uh, so uh, so. Where what talk me through your thought process? Okay, so um, there was a really good debate in the in the hall. So anybody that isn't a, a politics nerd like me and hasn't gone to a party political conference in our in the Liberal Democrats um, party policy is decided in a debate at conference and the members that are in the hall that are entitled to vote get to vote on whether that's actually enacted so like with anything else people um, there's a you can there can be uh, amendments submitted actually to the policy and then you vote to whether to accept the amendments and whether to accept the policy as a whole so pretty much um, kind of what happens actually in the House of Commons when they're when they're trying to write uh, a bill yep so um but the debates are really really interesting so in regards to the revoke position there were some strong and impassioned um thoughts that were presented on both sides of the argument so the argument um the argument against using that petition uh, position um being that uh, people will use it to say well hang on a minute we've been saying boris johnson doesn't have a mandate to enact a no deal brexit because he hasn't won a general election um, and doesn't have a majority, um, and even though Theresa May narrowly kind of sort of won a, a general election that didn't give her a mandate to deliberate a particular X type of Brexit, um, so how can we then turn around and say that actually winning a general election would give us a mandate to to do that, um, and that it plays into the hands of some people that get rather exercised um, with um, with taking a play on our name and saying that it would be an undemocratic thing to hello. actually revoke Article 50. Hello. Um, so, um, so hello to the, to the gentleman down the road that, that, um, that I had a nice conversation with a couple of weeks ago. Um, so um, I am Denard uh, and actually in the end I came, I did vote to uh, for the motion um, and my reasoning was this. 
was that actually when you study what the motion says, so the easy thing to say is the Liberal Democrats are in favour of revoking Article 50. But probably the most effective way to explain it is to take it around the other way. We're still in favour of a confirmatory vote, a people's referendum or whatever you want to whatever you yep. want to call it, right, to, conf to confirm that. But in the event that there isn't time for that, or that doesn't happen before a general election occurs, in that general election it would be our policy to put in our manifesto that if we won a majority, we would revoke Article 50 on day one. And so that's... Yeah, that, and that, that is it in a nutshell. Mm -hmm. And it's an interesting one because... Yeah, we've we've covered my views on on Brexit at any cost in the past, and and I whilst I absolutely fundamentally disagree with the position, I actually think there's an honesty and a transparency in it, and you know there is that element of I, I think whilst I, I wouldn't like it, if you guys want an outright majority at the next election, well. Oh, okay. Fair play then. So, again, I, it, it's in, in these highly volatile, politically charged times, I actually think that the Lib Dems... Because I always... Well, I expressed before, I, I've, I've always been very suspicious of the, the, the quote-unquote people's vote. What do you mean? The people that want Remain to win this time round. So the fact that you've said, well, actually... You know, if there's a general election and we win, that we will consider that to be the people's vote for Remain, revoke Article 50, and there we go. There's an honesty in that, even if I don't necessarily like hmm. it. And and the things to the things to bear in mind that as as much as I would love to see a Lib, Liberal Democrat government, that would require us going from the 18 uh, at the time of recording, we've got 18 MPs. I mean, they keep joining us at you know a rapid rate, so we don't know. But we uh, the 18 MPs that we had at the last election, we had 12. That would require us going to three hundred and twenty-one MPs, which is which is uh, would be, uh, as I say, if you get that many, fair play to you. Yeah. Um, so if you if you're for it, then you'll vote for it. If you're not, don't don't vote for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So in that sense, that's that's where the kind of the you know that is it that in in and of itself would be it would be a democratic mandate to do that, and that's where my reasoning came out. It also it clearly differentiates us between uh, a certain other party. Which we'll come on to later. Whose conference took place the week after ours? It did. Um, the red team. So um, it really did, it really puts a puts a country mile between our two policies. So it gives people if if there isn't time for a, for a confirmatory vote, which is our preference, um, then in the in the event that there's a general election, there will be a clear option for people. As much as we don't like the idea that a general election is a messy way to try and resolve an issue as complex as Brexit, there will be a clear option. For depending on what you want to happen, and what we shouldn't forget is that if we revoke, there's nothing to stop a future government that has the votes and a plan in the future issuing an Article 50 letter. It's only if we leave that it, you know, we can't go back. Yep. No. Um, no so absolutely. that's that's our position, and yep. people will either support it or they won't. But like you say, we're clear um, and unequivocal about that, and it's there. But yeah, I did like a good liberal. I wasn't sure which way to go, but reasoned with it, listened to the debate. And made a decision, which is marvelous. And uh, so that, to be fair, was such a megaphone-related. <gasps> as the crowd gasped, I got to be honest. I didn't pick up anything else from your conference in terms of anything new and interesting and and policy-wise. 
say, have you got anything? So you're, you're going to have some notes. Let's not I've, let's I've, not kick the arse off of it. But come on, sell me, sell me. What have the Lib Dems got that, okay. gonna, gonna, that I'm going to make an ooh and ah noise? So to? some so some interesting some interesting policies. So these aren't all the policies that we voted on, no, but no. these are, these are some of the some of the headline well, we ones. We want to keep some of our listeners. So um, hey, um, so interestingly, bearing in mind the conversation we had a few months ago, well, whenever the hell it was, with Cal Corkery about yes. his motion for the. Uh, for Portsmouth City Council uh, about researching basically different ways to um, improve quality of private health. Yes. Uh, sorry, private. Sorry, private housing provision in the city. Um, we voted to to abolish the Section Twenty One of the Housing Act, nineteen eighty eight, which allows landlords to evict tenants with a couple of months' notice without fault. Haven't we already done that? Nope. The Conservatives already done that. What the hell are you doing? That's that's something on the web. That's that's even the web asking questions. That's Siri being. That that is Siri backing me up that we've already scrapped no fault elections. Um, I. Yes. Oh, the f- yeah. Okay. Got... Even the cats on. Even the cats side. are having it. So anyway, so um, we passed a um, so we passed a motion for a policy to. Um, abolished um, Section 21 of the Housing Act, so no, no four yep. actions, reform the private market, um, support private renters to allow them to safely report health and safety issues without um, with, without being afraid that they'd be evicted, um, enabling uh, local authorities to create and maintain registers for landlords, which is interesting because that's actually what Cal that was, was asking Cal for. Was for. So, yep. um, so reform the court process so that landlords have easier access to judgment, to justice, where tenants are in breach of their tenancy agreement. And again, I know some people who are landlords and they are often portrayed as the villains and I know of at least a couple whose whose property has been absolutely destroyed, costing them thousands to repair it and Mm. their ability to get that money back is virtually nil. Yeah, good tenants and good landlords deserve to meet each other beautiful um and that's what we want so the other thing was to explore further opportunities for reform of the with um, by working with tenants and landlords associations such as reviewing um assured short hold tenancy legislation to encourage the use of long-term tenancies as standard so one of the things that cal was talking about was the concern that most tenancies by default were six months yep. because that enabled landlords to have a way to uh basically um remove the tenant with the rather than go through a costly process to get rid of them. Yep. Um, so, um, yeah, so that was quite interesting. Um, the other mo- One of the other motions was about tackling the climate emergency. Oh, yeah. um, so I've got lots of notes on this, but I won't read them all out because I, oh. I'm sure you're excited about um, uh, about carbon capture. Um, so we committed to actually reduce, you know, getting to uh, net zero greenhouse emissions by 2040 um, and step changing that. Um, so to be at 75% um, at 2030 and 93%. Um, uh, 2040 um, and to look for credible active steps that can be taken either at national government or local government level to require companies, local government associations to actually have a plan about how they're dealing with contributing to the net zero target. So there are all sorts Good. of different things there. Yeah, no, I, don't think, I think there's, you know, look, no one's ever going to get, you know, to, that, that, that's, that's kind of one that folk can get behind in it. You know, again, it is that element where I think you know if there is a will, you know if you look at the ca- the carrier bag tax, Indian policy. I'd, I'd never call you out when you have good policies. Eighty percent reduction yep. in the first year, you know, and it and it is the thing where, look, and I I've never been a particular 
Eco Warrior, and when they gave us our the the bin at Portsmouth, I, my first thought was brilliant. I'm going to be going to the tip every week because we're going to have an extra bin bag we can't fit in. Um, and now we fill two recycling bins up every week, and the rubbish fits in the bin. Mm -hmm. So you know you you can get changes of behaviour if if there is a will for it. So no, yeah. no. So you've you've. I'm yes. good with you. Surely there's got to be some kind of spiteful tax increase in there no um, so one of the things in the policy was about reinstating the uh, green investment bank which was again another liberal democrat policy that was brought in in the coalition years but then in 2015 the tories sold it off um so basically having a, a green investment bank that will help invest in uh, green technologies uh, but also regulate um the uk list of companies um, and basically to mandate them to require to report actually in their in their annual reports the level of their of their efforts and their contribution to um, to basically pre uh, preventing greenhouse gases and what they're doing to help us reach net zero um, and using green tax systems to levy charges against companies that that aren't actually doing what they need to do um, but basically to drive the behaviour and help mm -hmm. encourage companies to find a financial um, benefit to actually reaching net zero. So um, good greenness all round. Got yes. Any, got anything sexy for me economically? Well, the next one that I was going to talk about was um, might not get your rocks off with regards to economic policy. Mm. Because to be fair, last year we actually there was lots of discussions about actually um, tax policy, but oh. this year. So the one the one of the other debates that I went to was about building railways fit for the twenty first century. Oh, now as a man in the last two weeks, to yet yeah, last two weeks has been caution to Leamington. Lemington to Caution, Caution to Wolverhampton, Wolverhampton to Caution, Caution to Lemington, Lemington back to Caution. I'd like to think that I am versed in the railways, so talk to me about what you're going to do with the railways. Okay, so there was quite, a, and again this was quite an impassioned mm. debate with um, with lots of views one way or the other. Some of the interventions were were unhappy with, with the motion stating that nationalisation wouldn't be an aim. Mm. We had speakers that actually work as um, as senior engineers in the railway industry, so they spoke very credibly about yep. actually the situations. And they, they spoke of actually some of the issues that in some of the franchises that we might have experienced issues with. Um, Southern. Are because of policies that have been mandated by central government, by the Department for Transport, um, and them causing issues in actually the running of the railway itself. Mm-hmm. And thereby, the thought process there being that actually nationalisation will just move more of that decision making into central government and actually cause more problems and won't make fares cheaper, won't improve punctuality uh, and won't be cost effective actually you know, as a way to actually improve our railways. So, uh, yes, yeah, so we, we talked about uh, train punctuality is the worst since 2006 and in that time fares have risen by 57%. Mm. Railways play a pivotal role in reducing our uh, greenhouse emissions and improving you know, improving use of public transport and getting yep. you know, deterring people to use cars. The motion was, was, was talking about that large parts of the railway network um, and industry as a whole are already nationalised, and nationalisation solves sol won't solve anything and won't make the railways cheaper, uh, more punctual, punctual or less micromanaged, and will actually be a costly distraction. Um, so what we want is that UK cities need reliable, sustainable, growing modern railways. We need to reform the ticketing system so that, for example, in the 21st century, if you use a, a contactless payment, the system should automatically charge you the cheapest fare to. To travel now let me give you just a very quick insight there into my okay. words caution to leamington disabled persons rail card 110 pounds mm -hmm. for a day return 
to the Midlands. £110. Same train, Caution to Reading, Reading to Banbury, yeah. Banbury to Leamington, mm-hmm. £46. It's nuts, isn't it? It is bad. And that's what we're talking about. The ticketing system yep. encourages things like that, which are just not good for, and and especially not for, you know, that's really quite punishing for people with disabilities Absolutely. that, you know, that, that um, need, need public transport. Um, so the DS, DFT excessively micromanages parts of the railway network, and we'd want actually to set up a body that would be separate from the DFT, so take that those powers for the day-to-day running of the railway network away from the DFT, um, and actually have strategic priorities set by local and national government, but for then that body to find the best way to actually implement them mm-hmm. with, with the franchise operators. Doesn't sound a bad thing to me so far. So investing basically new and existing commuter commute, <laughs> commuter lines in order to increase capacity and punctuality, using light rail or trams where that's appropriate. Yep. Um, uh, transforming stations to include to make them into transport hubs and integrate them better with bus and cycle networks, simplify the fares as we've talked about, uh, season tickets need to be changed to reflect part-time workers, Oh, because at the moment if you work only three days a week, a season ticket oh, doesn't work out yeah. cost effective for you. Expand electrification, um, expand the bridge rail scheme so that um, UK citizens can are entitled to basically a cheaper across the network travel for one month a year. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. So kind of similar to like um, the interrail pass on um, through yeah. Europe. Automatically repay passengers using contactless payments for delays rather than you having to claim for it. Yep. Um, ensuring that all major stations with with step free access are staffed from the first to the last train. That is fearful expensive. Um. Well, I mean, that we're is. saying major stations. A major stations. So, okay. Yeah. You know, I, I'm not quite sure where the delineation between major and minor stations would be. Yeah. But we're not saying every single station because you know that's kind of not being funny. That's 1940s level of staffing. Yeah. But from a point of view of, it should, especially people um, with disabilities, should be able to use our public transportation network without having to book in advance like they have to at the moment and warn stations that they that they need access. Well, they should be there. So, so just give me an insight to that. As a disabled passenger, it, mm-hmm. that is true of non-staffed stations. Yeah. So we talk about major stations. Yeah. So if I am travelling, so if I was getting off at Porchester, mm-hmm. I have to book that in advance. Yeah. If I was getting off at Cosham, I'd have to book that in advance. If I was getting off at Portsmouth Harbour or Winchester... Bear in mind, I'm coming from Reading at this point. Is that I rock up at Reading, and Reading put me on the train and radio ahead to Winchester. Mm-hmm. So as it stands currently, you don't have to book in advance, and if you're going to major stations. So I, I get what you're shooting for, but actually the, the current system is quite similar to how you describe it now. Okay. Your, your challenge is. Is your smaller stations, and and again with that some of it's patchy coverage. So for instance, Cosham usually has somebody there in the morning, but at eleven o'clock they go home, and that is your that eleven a.m. Eleven a.m. Yeah, they're at six, so you can get you, you they put you on the train, and that's yeah. lovely. And and if you book in advance, they'll be there to meet you in the evening. But if you don't book in advance, when you get off the train. There's nobody at home. So. Yeah. So, but look, I think the the investment in rail is a strong mm-hmm. thing. Um, it, it's it's interesting. You didn't go down the nationalised route because um, I personally would nationalise the renationalise the railways. Hang I on would. a minute. I would. 
The only other th is just one subtle caveat. You understand that I can just hear this dull thud, which is Cal Corkery collapsing in shock. No, he won't, he won't know what's coming next. Oh, okay. And then re-employ all the staff on a non-union basis. Why would you force people to work in a non-unionised industry? Uh, the railway, because the vast majority of the problems with the railway are down to the unions. So if we took them out, everything would be all right. Let's, um, let's not go there. Yeah, let's, let's not let's not go there. there. So, we, so, we, yeah, so we like, I, it, we I, like your non-nationalised... Mm -hmm. Slightly warm based arrangement. Right, time is coming against us. Have you got anything else sound bitey that you want to thrill me with? Um, so, um, no, I think that was kind of, but so that was just some headline points. Um, there are obviously more, inf there is more information available online about our policy, but it was the busiest. I mean, it's only the second conference that I've been to, but it was very, very busy. And people that have been going to conference for years were talking about how busy it was, um, how what the energy was, how many new people there were actually yeah. there. Um, there was quite a lot of, there was about 800 um, journalists that were actually present. I bumped into, how was it, John Pienaar, Robert Peston, um, bumped into Quinton Letts coming out of a toilet. I didn't say anything to any of these people, just kind of like saw them. You I just did the, oh, that's like, oh, oh, yeah. Um, so yeah, there was, there was quite a lot of, um, a lot of attention and lots of stuff. And Joe's, Joe's speech to, to a conference was absolutely, you know, a closing speech to a conference was absolutely rousing. Um, so yeah, as ever, really interesting went to lots of I went to lots of training um, sessions and lots of fringe meetings there was there was um very interesting one that I went to which was about um, the wild west effectively of electoral law in the UK and how we haven't addressed the weaknesses in our law that um, that impacted um, in, in 2016 uh, because we're just not fit for the 21st century in the sense of a, of a legal terms um, and how those things actually haven't, haven't been addressed so there was lots of good stuff but some of the sessions that I wanted to go to, People were literally packed in to the to the door. You know, what, physically open, couldn't get physically in. open the door, and short of crowd surfing my way in, there was no way I was getting into the room. Well, so that's a that's a good place to be. Lots of lots of Lib Dems. And yes. Bournemouth was lovely. Yes, indeed, indeed, Bournemouth is a lovely place. So we've done the Lib Dems. Mm -hmm. We're going to pause for a second, mm -hmm. and then we're going to see what uh, what the Red Team had to offer a week later. So we're back. And what a Labour conference. So their, their first move, which was, I think, you know, on the Saturday, they, the deputy, is it the deputy leader of the Labour Party? What's his name? Tom Watson, isn't it? Mm -hmm. I thought he was a golfer. But anyway, he's not a golfer. He's the deputy leader of the Labour Party. And he's been a very naughty boy. And so, because he hasn't been entirely all worshipping of JC. So they, there was a move to oust him. Yes. Um, or to, to, no, let's be fair, to abolish the position because we don't need it. Oh, for crying Particularly with that stink pot Tom Watson in it. This um, is musically Yeah, Yeah, I silence these things. I apologise. Um, so, yes, so John Landsman, who's um, one of Corbyn's aides, um, tabled a last-minute motion at the NEC to remove the post of deputy leader. Um, some arguments about that, some febrile discussions, um, and Corbyn came up with the magic solution that was supported because he claimed that he didn't know about that motion. I'm sure he didn't know about that motion no. in advance. No. And his proposed solution was that rather than getting rid of a post which John Lansman had claimed was unnecessary, his solution was to instead have two deputies or to have a conversation about having two deputies by maintain and maintain a gender balance so that one would be male and one would be female. Well, it strikes me that it, I'm surprised in this day and age that, um, that Jeremy doesn't understand the concept of gender fluidity. It would seem 
insisting on a binary solution there. And again, a most efficient solution. We don't think we need one. Oh, go on, we'll have two. Oh, I love labour economics. But I've got some insight for you. Okay. Insight. I am going to explain to you Labour's position on Brexit because I listened to my old chum, John MacDonald, on breakfast and he made it clear. So he, I don't know you like John MacDonald. You've I got a poster him. on your wall. Love him. Love him. He is the people's chancellor. People's chancellor. God bless him. So here it is, Simon. Okay. okay. Labour win the next election. They're going to go back to the EU and I quote here, get a sensible deal. You excited by sensible? Mm. Not so much? Well, hang on. Yep, yeah, okay. We've got a sensible deal, which we've negotiated with the EU. Yeah. And we're going to bring that back, and we're going to put it to the people. Bit of a people's vote. I know you're quite keen. Yeah. So we've got a people's vote. We've got the deal that we've negotiated with the with the EU, and John McDonald's going to come campaign for Remain. Okay. So, so he's got the deal. Yeah. Here's the deal. We negotiated a deal, but we don't fancy it. So, so um, I'm sorry about the noises as multiple devices decide to alert us to things happening. Um, but none of it's interesting, don't worry. So, or sensible, probably. Yeah, probably. Definitely, well, definitely not. Um, so if Labour win a general election, yes. their idea is that within... Within how long of that? Six weeks, I think. They, they are going to negotiate a deal, a sensible deal. Like three um, months, probably. Three months, maybe. Yeah. But anyway. So within, so within three months of winning a general election. Sensible deal. Labour are going to present a sensible deal. They are. And okay. then their, what we say, second in command is going to campaign against it. And they're going to have that referendum within six months of winning yes. the general. Yes. So they're going to be quite busy. So then within three months, they're going to... Deliver this. So it's no. Is it no longer a jobs first Brexit? Is it now a sensible Brexit? I'm not sure. It is sensible. Whether it's sensible jobs first or just sensible or jobs first sensible jobs sensibly first or a job uh, second could be jobs second. Who knows? But I put it to you, and it, it, it's an interesting thing. I've never, when looking to do a deal, looked at something that I didn't want to buy, and tried really, really hard to get the best deal for it. What's your best price on this aardvark? Well, I don't really want an aardvark. So why am I going to negotiate? It's just madness. So, but to be fair, that that was wasn't that Corbyn's position of that's why he doesn't want to commit to whether he's going to campaign for Remain or their, his own deal in that second referendum. Correct. Because he doesn't want to enter into a negotiation with the EU saying I'm actually going to campaign for something else other than what you give me anyway. So you, so, Ian. You've agreed with Jeremy Corbyn. Oh, what I've done? No, I haven't agreed with anybody. You, you, you I have. have I have simply presented John McDonald's. This is the. This is the way we're going to do it. Listener, Ian has agreed with Jeremy Corbyn. That hasn't happened. That hasn't happened. We've got evidence. No, no, We've no. got evidence. People listen to that back and know. So, but I, I believe that they put it to the vote whether they were going to back Remain, and it came out. Absolutely clear. The lad from the NEC, what did he say? Uh, so Wendy Nichols, um, chair of the NEC. I'm using lad as a non-gender specific term. Okay. <laughs> so the motion was basically put to the floor in conference uh, for Labour to campaign to remain in a second referendum. And Wendy Nichols, the chair of the, the NEC, said that um, it, uh, the motion had passed, Yay. whereas uh, she was overruled by Jenny Formby, 
um, Labour's General Secretary and close Jeremy Corbyn ally said that that wasn't the case and actually the motion hadn't passed um, and calls for delegates from uh, delegates calls from delegates to have a card count. So normally it's kind of like a show of oh, yeah, yeah, hands. Show of hands. hands. Yep. Um, and if it's a type thing, you actually then you get the stewards to actually go and have a physical count. So calls to have an actual count from de from the floor were re were rejected. They didn't have a count. So it both passed and failed simultaneously. Labour's Brexit is Schrodinger's Brexit. That's brilliant. And you know that Jenny Formby. Yes. Did you know that she is the granddaughter of George Formby? famous player of the old uh, Banjolani. I did not know that, but then I'm just cleaning windows. Indeed. And I might have just made that up. Um, so, That's not about you to make things up. Well, it's, it's, the, it's the way of the world politically okay. these days. So, and then there was, let's all have a four-day week to make us more productive. And well, there's well, there's a case for that. Well, so, certain European, some European countries have, yeah. was it Sweden or Norway, that have, um, that have trialled this and actually found that people working less days a week, actually working less hours in total, are actually much more productive. They actually achieve more in a lower amount of time and they have better work-life balance with their families. So yeah. there, there's, a, there's a case to be made for it. Yeah, absolute nonsense. And then there so, was the... Ignore the evidence. No, no, no. Oh, it works in Scandinavia. Yeah, of course it does. Everything works in Scandinavia, but it means you have to eat a lot of herring. You want to eat a lot of herring? I don't think you do. Nobody wants that. So disparaging um, evidence just on the basis of herring. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and or kippers. What, what was their final madness? Oh, the one that struck that stood out for me was the motion about nationalising private schools. Oh, of course, yes. Yeah. Um, nothing, I can see that's a winner. Yeah, nothing there about bitter spite and envy at all, marvellous. So there was the Labour, um, the Labour conference in a nutshell. I, I think my wife summed it. I'm sure I've stolen it perfectly. Should if you look at their political policies, makes us like Greece, but without the weather. And I presume she meant the country rather than the the musical, the hit musical of the seventies, Sandy Baby. Tell me more. Tell me more. Oh, like does he have a brain? Uh, uh. I'm now cast Jeremy Corbyn as, as the the John Travolta character. What is Danny Zuko? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think it would work. Well, we, I, I shall work on it and come back to you. Okay. So that was Labour, yes. and we shall now go into the third segment, which, good God, this might not go well. Okay, so the Supremes. We continue to try to make musical references. The Supremes? Yes. So the Supreme Court came back oh. Tuesday. Yes, yes, they did. Um, and ruled a, in a unanimous verdict. Um, they declared that Boris Johnson's prorogation of Parliament was improper um, and illegal and effectively ruled unlawful. that it had been... Illegal and unlawful are different, different in what way? They are different. They're, they're legal terms. They are different. Do they mean the same thing? No, they don't. Okay, I'm not going to bother looking it up. No. Okay, so um, yes, they ruled that the prorogation of Parliament was unlawful and null and void, so, uh, so Parliament could resume as if it had never been suspended. And so everybody came back? Everybody came back. And in a display of non-political churlishness, the Conservatives said, well, you two have had your party conference, any chance we could have ours? And Parliament said... Uh, no, because it would be strange to win a legal challenge in order to prevent Parliament being prorogued. Mm -hmm. um, and Parliament had been preparing not to vote to allow it to rise for conference seats in any way. Um, the fact that those, those the conferences of the Labour Party and the Liberal Democrats were able to go ahead because of Boris Johnson's unlawful act is um, a sad 
um, but convenient thing for all those parties, yep. but not convenient for the Conservative Party. I mean, they've got the weekend. Yeah, they've got the weekend. Um, I'm, I'm sure they, you know, I'm sure there's only so many things you can say using inflammatory words in in a 48 hour period, but I'm sure they'll figure it out. Well, and, and herein lies uh, the interesting next piece, isn't it? Which is that Parliament came back. Yes. And good Lord, didn't they get some stuff done in those those two days? So it was an interesting tactic that rather than actually discuss actual things, what happened was Boris Johnson, and we'll, we'll massively disagree about this, but Boris Johnson did what he's quite has quite a habit of doing, said something deliberately inflammatory, and then Parliament, instead of holding him to account on the things that he's actually trying to do, um, spent time actually calling it, calling him out on saying things that were um, if inflammatory and irresponsible and not the sort of thing that you'd expect the leader of our country to say. He's, um, Johnson is just doing a Johnson, isn't he? But... You know, if he wants to find the truth anytime soon, I guess he will eventually. Well, it's back. I, I'm I'm not sure what we've gained by having Parliament back. I I, I mean that genuinely. I, I all I saw on the two days, and all right, it was edited highlights. There might have been some really good stuff going on in back rooms somewhere, and people working diligently for the good of the country. Is I saw people just shouting unpleasantries at each other. And and I I, I I you know and we're not we, we're not going to agree. I said you know we discussed this before. I, I haven't found much that I didn't disagree with. I thought his reference to Joe Cox was crass and just beyond the pale. But in terms of some of the other language, such as the surrender bill, I kind of don't have a problem with it. It's it's and. There is name calling on all sides, and I think that it's you know we're back, but I kind of not sure, not sure what's what what we what we've gained by having Parliament back in terms of moving this whole issue forward because it still feels to me, well actually it feels to me like both sides are digging deeper trenches, and just shouting louder and more offensively at each other. So to try and turn this into a positive thing rather than having a fight about the language and inappropriateness, can you see any way that this is going to move forward in the next three or four weeks? So I guess the possibilities going forward at this point would be that, and these are technical possibilities, I'm not commenting to how likely they are, Boris Johnson comes back with some sort of reinvigorated, revisited yep. or rewritten withdrawal agreement from the EU. Yep. Boris Johnson represents Theresa May's withdrawal agreement to the Parliament. Yep. Someone, whether that's someone on the opposition benches or the government benches, raises a motion of no confidence in the government, therefore setting in motion the parts of the Fixed Term Parliament Act that lead to either the formation of another government yep. or a general election. But am I not correct, and just going back there, if we can't get another government, then if we go into general election mode, mm-hmm. then I think we crash out. We crash out on no deal. So the Ben Act requires um, the Prime Minister, if they haven't reached an agreement with the EU that's passed through the House of Commons, it requires them to seek an extension of at least three months. Absolutely. Um, so there's that, and there was also talk that even if even if Boris Johnson was willing to break the law and not actually um, ask for that extension, then a senior civil servant could send the letter anyway, mm. because it's law. It's law. It's, it's been legislated on. It has been law that's yep. passed. So it kind of removes the if we don't get an agreement, we drop out without a deal. It removes that 
that threat. Unless they say, no, you can't have an extension. Uh, there is that possibility, yeah. but yeah. if the law requires us not to leave without a deal, which the Ben Act requires us, requires Parliament not to allow the country to leave without a deal, unless Parliament agrees to leave without. So, yeah. so the Ben Act requires us either to have a deal or have an extension. Yes. And if you can't get an extension and you can't have it and you can't get a deal, you can't drop out without a deal. So that only leaves you one course of action. Mm, yes, which I, we, we kicked about. So I think the, the, the key piece for me in this is that it is a very heated and inflammatory time. And you are absolutely correct in pointing out that the Prime Minister currently is in no way, shape or form looking to diffuse that tension. No. He is intentionally and with forethought looking to increase that tension. He is yes. setting up the, 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 I want to deliver Brexit on your behalf and Parliament won't let me, the bastards. Yes, he's, he's, um, he's setting up the Parliament versus the people, judges versus the government. So he, he's setting up these, um, the rest of Parliament or the judiciary as enemies of the state as it were. He's not used those precise No, he hasn't. Words, he's but, used um, or enemies of the Brexit Yes, vote. Of, of, the, of the government of the day delivering the Brexit interpretation that they've, they've decided is, is the valid interpretation of Brexit. Um, so, so ultimately, if we accept that that's what he's doing, mm-hmm. and I think we both do, the only, the only way that will be put to the test is in some kind of vote, be that an election, which could bring resolution, but equally could leave us exactly where we are at the moment. Yep, musical chairs, musical chairs. Colours, but there'll, there'll be a few turquoise ones. There'll yep. be a few more yellow ones. Um, hopefully not, but obviously, you know, as it could happen. There'll, um, there'll be lots more yellow. If ones. there was three twenty-one of them, then well, the job's good, and then isn't it? So. Um, so uh, you, you chaps have, have said, yeah, that's it, into the long grass with it. So that could happen, but I think there is an element of... I guess my observation is, Parliament's been brought back. I really can't see it going anywhere until we get to the point of, of, of a, a vote's got to happen. Because I honestly believe, Simon, whatever deal Boris Johnson brings back... Your guys have made it very clear. You will not vote for any deal under any circumstances. You won't You won't vote for it. I don't think... I think the Labour Party at the moment, they're, they're holding ranks, and they've held ranks all along. They will not support a conservative negotiated deal. And the simple fact is, we've got a majority of minus 41. So it doesn't matter what deal comes back, First rule of politics, learn to count. Are we at minus 41? Have I been too generous? Well, you... Um, it's, it's, yeah, it's about that. But it de- See, this is the thing. It depends on whether the Tories that have been kicked out of the Tory party... Yep. Um, ...would um, vote against the Tory party in... I mean, I'm, I'm assuming probably, they won't probably. change their mind about yeah. something to do... About, the, about whatever insert type of... Deal here, yeah. I mean, um, to be fair, but I don't think they would bring the government necessarily. I mean, 
possibly some of them would, but I, I, a lot of them probably won't vote to bring down no. the Tory government. No. So, uh, and this is why the you know the talk about the um, you know the the inaction of um, of the vote of a vote of no confidence and therefore um, giving um, fourteen days in which case anybody can form a government that can secure a majority. I don't think uh, Jeremy Corbyn would would gain the support of the House in order to form even an interim government. Nope. So then, then that leaves us falling into GE territory. The problem with that is is that the current Prime Minister has the ability then to at, at that point to tell Her Majesty the Queen when that um, when that general election would take place. So is the Ben Act enough of a secure enough to secure that even if Boris Johnson, for example, scheduled that general election to take place in November, so after yep. um, the 31st of October, are we confident enough that the Ben Act would mean that he would still actually then abide by that? He's saying that he won't abide by that law. So where does that kind of leave us? Does that leave us actually where he drags us out against against the, the law that's actually been stipulated yep. by Parliament? It's still, a, it's still a bit of a mess. And as you were saying, and, as, and, an agree, and, agree, and as we've both discussed previously um a general election isn't isn't really a, an effective way to resolve the brexit conundrum because people are split on a leave remain line yep. they're not split on blue red yellow lines um the country families and communities are split and it doesn't kind of resolve that to use a general election as a proxy referent second referendum yep. is is messy it's messy but it, it, but it might be the only thing we have time it, for absolutely we might not have time for a, a, a people's vote but that's why the Ben Act requires an extension, but it requires an extension up until the end of January. Yeah, something like that. Um, but that might not even even that might not be time to actually hold a referendum. Almost certainly not. So, so it's 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 a mess. I think what you're speaking to is how having now unparoled Parliament, how are we any further forward than we were two weeks ago? I, and that 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 is entirely my point. I think we. You know, it, it, it's been another bloody nose for, for Boris Johnson. But to be fair, does he care? I don't think so. He uh, doesn't... I think he's yeah. ir- he'd be irritated by it. And I'd I, I be honest with you, I do think... I, I thought it was it was poor form to stop us attending our own party conference. I didn't think that. I, I, I Unfortunately for me, that plays to the, the adversarial nature of politics at the moment, which is, you know... Realistically, what was going to happen in those what, four working days? But but okay, so look at it the other way. What would what would his response have been had Parliament voted for it? The Tory Party response would have been, "See, you forced Parliament to come back, and now you're letting us, now you're letting us Parliament I, rise again." I so yeah. I, I I think that was a lo- that was a lose lose situation, and the only reason that the other the other conferences went ahead was because Boris Johnson chose to force through um, what has been ruled an unlawful yeah. prorogation of Parliament. Um, so, unfortunately, that didn't work in his favour. But, hey, he's the record-breaking Prime Minister. He's, yeah. he's lost six votes? Seven. Seven, seven votes. He's, he's, he's over seven. I think the first one that he's liable to win is next Tuesday, which is the domestic violence bill, which... Uh, let's face it; it's a bloody good one for for anyone. Everyone's going to back that one, so that's a that's a good thing. Yes. Uh, my my overall feeling at the moment is look, it's been a messy week in a messy few weeks in politics. I don't see it getting any more any closer to resolution soon. I guess there is an element of 
you know, one of the things, and I, you've said it before, and it, it's something we both need to be, uh, anyone who listens to this podcast needs to be mindful of. Whatever way it ends, we are all going to have to live together afterwards. Yeah, one way, or the, one way or the other, we are still going to live on this crowded, damp island. Absolutely. I mean, the UK as in, not just Portsmouth. Um, well, we're off the island. Yeah, but don't 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 mention that because people talk about people talk about that, and I get annoyed when they say, "Ah, oh, Cosham's off the island; it's not part of Portsmouth." Oh. Yes, it is. Um, so um, it's definitely off the island, but yep. you know these separatists. But yeah, yeah, you're right. Um, what is the point of a further extension if, at the end of that extension, we are no further forward? We don't have a different um, course of action to fulfil at the end of that, and you can only arrive yep. at a different course of action if you either have a general election and therefore the MPs in Parliament to pursue a course of action, yep. and have interpreted a mandate from the people to pursue that course of action, or you have a referendum that has confirmation from the people as to what course of action they want, whoever the hell the government is to take now. So, I would say then, sir, in summary, we are no further forward than we were Two episodes ago, was it? I know it was last episode, it might be last, no, three episodes ago, where we went through the potential outcomes. If mm-hmm. you haven't listened to it, go back and listen to it. But what I would say is, in the interim, until we record again, let's not be unpleasant to each other. Let's have more love, less hope. You, you're after a hug or something? Ew, no. <laughs> that would be weird. Okay. <laughs> You've been listening to the Pompey Politics Podcast. I've been Simon Sansbury. I'm still blue and yellow. I oh, used it's the hug uh, thing. He's yeah, gone yeah. he's gone all weak at the knees at this point. So he's been Simon Sansbury. I've been Ian Tiny Morris. Thanks for listening. Stay nice. Yes. Let's let's disagree nicely. Absolutely.